Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Now we're in a transition a little bit. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to the score. We broadcast through the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Want to thank them. Thanks to Evan Thomas. He gets us up, and he gets us twitching, and he gets us motivated every morning. Always fun to hear from him. And thanks to everyone for calling and texting and emailing. Most of all, thank you for listening on this most special of Thursdays. Yes, and uh, thanks to our executive producer, he is Mr. Dustin William William Rhodes. Kobe Bryant, 28 for 46 from the field. This would be 18 for 20 from the line and an 81-point game. That is Kobe scoring 81. Phenomenal. And uh, can you believe it? Three years ago today, uh, we lost Kobe Bryant in the helicopter accident. Three years. Hard to believe. Thank you, Brandon Fryer, for uh, reminding us. Dicka doesn't want to go yet. He says, wait till I see that final second. Who's going to argue with Perry? He wins most of those. Walter Payton, Mike Ditka, Hungry Chicago, finally champions on this January day in New Orleans. How about that? That is the uh, today, the anniversary of the Chicago Bears' one and only Super Bowl victory. Back in uh, 1986 on this date. Chicago sports holiday should be marked uh, every year. Yeah, by... David wants everyone to get a day off. I like yeah, it. Yeah, everyone should get the day off. Yeah, and uh, or I, I think adults show up late. Children don't even bother studying. I like there that. You go. Uh, we are delighted. <laughs> We're delighted now to welcome in our friends. It's Lawrence Holmes, everybody. <laughs> and we've got Ann Bernstein. What's up, guys? Hey, how are you? Oh, Good. hey, buddy. How are you? You see the Jets are hiring Nathaniel I, Hackett? I just yeah. heard that. I thought it was a joke. Dun, dun, but dun. It, was, it was Adam Schefter reporting, and it's his verified account, that uh, Nathaniel Hackett will be the offensive coordinator for, wait for it, the New York J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. And you know why that is, Molly? Because NFL teams don't learn. Because Aaron Rodgers is going to be their quarterback. They, they don't they learn. did that in Denver? Didn't we think that with yes. the Broncos? That's what I'm saying, David. Yeah. NFL teams don't learn. Oh, we'll bring in Nathaniel Hackett. He'll bring along Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I'm, if he wants to leave and leave the division, I'm more than happy to, to help him. It just seems like this is a cycle that keeps happening in the NFL, and no one's willing to learn you from it. you want to it. live that Brett Favre life to the fullest, you can absolutely do it. And, man, that that would be so much fun because that would be just – the schadenfreude of that would be fantastic. Would he get enough attention in New York? <laughs> He get the attention he doesn't want in New York. Well, and I just like talk about moving from like the most obscure place yes. to like the craziest. That's wild. Yeah, I don't know if Aaron's ever had to deal with being followed before, and he's <laughs> going to be followed if he's the quarterback of the Jets. So does that mean he's going to be the quarterback of the Vikings in 2024 or 2025? Oh, get the nice. jet, David. Get that. Get that private jet. And make sure that we're, we're watching it. And then when he lands, it gets off. Oh, here it is. That's the He's, Favre path. Favre plan. I love it. You could have kicked a field goal. 
<laughs> it's one of my favorite calls of all time when he throws the interception. Oh, my God. <laughs> so yeah, great. He's, he's, not, he's not exactly known for taking responsibility for everything that happens. No offense to him. No, it doesn't seem that way no. with him. No. I, but I am curious on, on how this goes because, look, the, what is the cap hit? $58.2 million. He'll rework He's, it. He'll rework it. He for the Jets? Re- I think he probably would. Look, the Jets. Would he look, rework it doubts, for, the, for the Packers, though? I think he would rework it depending on what he decides to do and where he wants to play. That's where he holds the cards. I do wonder about the wisdom of turning it over to a, a guy that's going to be 40 coming off one of his worst seasons. I don't know about that, but if you're the Jets, you might be desperate enough to try. And if Rodgers is willing to reconfigure his contract, absolutely. And, and someone on this very show said fairly recently that the Jets are a quarterback away from a Super Bowl. No, no, no. Playoffs. Playoff. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a playoffs. Okay. <laughs> I was Slow down there, forward. Dustin. Okay, yeah. well, well, they were knocking on the door of being yeah. a playoff team, and they're out there. Mike White's out there kind of doing stuff, and they're like, hey, let's bring back this other quarterback, and eh, things didn't work out for them. They do seem to have a lot of pieces that would allow for them to, to be a contender, and I, I think Robert Sala is a pretty good coach too, but they, oh, they've yeah. got a lot yeah. of good pieces that – if you drop a competent quarterback into their team, they're probably a playoff team. Zach Wilson for Aaron Rodgers, who says no. Well, I think – Anybody I think, getting Zach Wilson. No, but this is this is the mentor program, right? Yeah, I mean, a right. guy like Aaron Rodgers comes in, takes you, that young quarterback. Oh, up. please. You know he loves doing It was a joke. Okay, okay, good. You know he loves it. He right. loves being a mentor. <laughs> He loves it. God, the, what, it that, is interesting. Like, have you heard like how he's talked about Jordan Love lately? Oh like, my God! Yeah, he's still mad they drafted him. It's, I mean, it's like, come give on, me a man, break. let it go, let it go. I do, I do think that Matt Lafleur with a young Zach Wilson. If you start over, you do wonder because it didn't work when his brother coached him. So maybe Matt Lafleur would be able to do something <laughs> with him. Sibling rivalry. But, but don't they have to start Jordan Love? I mean, is, right. hasn't he waited patiently? He's uh, at, start isn't Jordan. he at the end of his rookie deal now? Yeah, yes. Pretty close, yeah. Yes. Yeah, you, you start him until you start, you know, three and six, and then then you figure out if you got a young quarterback I in th- the pipeline, you give him a shot. I, I thought that's how you dealt with Zach Wilson. <laughs> yeah, that is how you dealt with So, so wait, let's, let's make this work, though, fellas. Hmm. Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets – that means that you're probably looking for a quarterback of the future. Perhaps maybe you call Ryan Poles and you say, hey, man, well, what might it take to get that number one pick? And he goes, you're first born. <laughs> and the Bears win. It always comes back to that, fellas. Yeah. The the, the problem is with the Bears winning. That, that's been, did you see what Bigsy wrote the, the other day um, about – there's only four teams that have uh, failed to put together back-to-back winning seasons since last the the Bears did it. I, I, eh, it's not very nice. I was amazed to hear, and, and I, I, this is self-evident. How many teams in the NFL do you think have never won a Super Bowl? Just a number off the top of your head. Well, I mean, I mean, I was, I was just running through it in my head. It's probably more than that. It's probably like. 
10? I was going to say 20. 12. Oh, 12. 12, huh? There are 12 teams wow. that have never won a Super Bowl. And then you think, well, the Super Bowl only started, yeah, it started in 1967. I, I said 10 or 12. So I should, <laughs> I, I mean, I skipped 11. Yeah. I was, yeah. Like, I know, I, I know that's just a fact, but it still seems like more than a third of the league. Yeah, but remember, there, there's a stretch of six titles from the Patriots. No, you I have get the Cowboys it. winning a bunch of titles, the 49ers win a, winning a bunch of titles. So, it, you know, it, it shrinks the possible pool. Right, right. And there's only, I think it's like the AFC Championship game has been in one of five cities over the last how many years, right? It's, it's not, uh, it's been in, in, uh, in, Kansas City for a few years, New it, England, before, New England forever, right? Um, it's only Pittsburgh. there's only five teams. Yeah, Pittsburgh, Indy. One. There you go. There's someone else, but it's kind of like mind-boggling. Nashville. Well, the Bengals are convinced they're going to make that number higher this year, thirteen, or be right. lower. I guess be right. eleven. They're- they're, they are tough. They are unflappable. It's hard to bet against that team right yeah, now. Yeah, but there's some really good news for Kansas City yesterday. That was weird news. And I kept, I told I told David, I kept going back and looking at that. Is there any evidence of he didn't jump off the stage? He definitely walked down it. Is there a limp? Is that thing taped to hell? Maybe it, it is. Weird. No boot, though. They didn't want you to see no a boot. boot. No boot. He, yeah, he could have walked das right. Boots. Come on, he could have gone right down the hallway and put the boot back on. Sure. I mean, that was. Oh, that's what I figure he did. I figure he yes, actually practiced exactly. with the boot on. Right? I. I am still, if I am Lou Anarumo, I am coming after him yeah. more aggressively than I've ever come after any quarterback in a playoff situation. You've got nothing to lose, and you've got a quarterback that is hobbled. Absolutely, you're coming after him with everything you've got. I'm imagining that if, if they just needed him to walk onto the podium and off the podium, sort of like the moment in Princess Bride when Wesley rises from the bed and says, drop your sword. And then Humperdinck races over, they tie him up, and it was like, collapses. It was, it was all he had in him just to do that. Stop <laughs> saying that. Stop saying that. I am, I am Diego Montoya. You killed my father. Inigo. <laughs> now In- you will die. In- Stop saying that. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, because it was just you know he he was able to he he recovered from being mostly dead and Miracle Max saved him, but it took him yes. forever to regain his strength and he just right. he just right. had to show it for a split second before falling back. Oh boy, <laughs> that's all it takes, huh? That's that's the the AFC Championship game. It moved the line, didn't it? Yeah, didn't yeah. The, line the, line, the line has been really weird the with line, this, though. I'm telling you, the line is drunk. It's yeah. been stumbling around. Mully's right. He's 100% Jeez. right because that game started Crazy. out minus Kansas City minus two. Then he, he gets hurt, and people are like, oh, uh, let's now move the line all the way to Cincinnati minus two. Then people saw him without a boot yesterday. It's like, uh, Kansas City minus one. <laughs> Hey, guys, great interview with Katie Strang yesterday. That was terrific. I felt like she uh, is obviously the, the person you want to talk to the most about this story. She has the information, both what she has reported and what she knows and can't report. So that was a terrific interview, and the questions were exactly the right ones you wanted answered. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. We're, we're continuing to kind of work some back channels, and some MLB sources have reached out to me this morning with some information that Dan and I will go through uh, on the show today. I, I, 
there's a there's still a lot here to unpack and I, I, I know I, I've been listening to you guys this morning like talk about all of it and, and Molly I want to ask you something that we're going to ask listeners later on in the show all right I, I want you to be as, as serious about it as you can be because you're you're one of Chicago's most uh famous White Sox fans it's true. It's true. Mm-hmm. How do you feel as a White Sox fan right now? Uh, I would say I'm torn between complete disgust and, you know, like hints of betrayal. I, I mean, that's how badly I feel about it. I just feel I really want nothing to do. I, I felt bad enough about the Sox last year. This is a different level of kind of icky. I think that you, you've kind of nailed it. It's weird because the whole reason that this topic is going to come up on our show, Dan and I were having a conversation like during a break where we were talking about, like, why do we cheer for these guys? Like, yeah. why, why is what, this what, our team? What are we doing? And yeah. then, you know, poor Mike it's Rankin true. is just like, you know, head in hands, upset about all of this stuff. And so I threw it out, and I, I've made the mistake of putting a GIF on the question, so people just sent me GIFs back. But – some of the people, some of the White Sox fans have, have spoken to. I, the word betrayal hadn't come up though, Molly, but I think that that's an excellent descriptor of kind of how people feel about this team right now. Yeah, I think even people who aren't as invested emotionally, I don't know if they feel that betrayal, but I think there's this an overall sense of looking at the White Sox being involved in something like this. There's a sense of disappointment, just colossal disappointment yes. because they can do better. I, so. I still don't think – I mean, I know what's top of mind right now is what's going on with Clevenger. But there are – the I, I still don't think the White Sox themselves understand the depth of the Tony La Russa mistake. Yeah. And what that meant at the, at the very – as the capstone of Reinsdorf ownership. Hmm. Like the last gasp of the, the most important time of the competitive era, that last gasp of the Reinsdorf ownership era that started in, what, 1980, 79? He bought the team in 79? He bought the team when I was 10 years old. And this was the last shot. And for no reason, just to spite fans, they blew it. And and, and the, the pain of that, the pointlessness of that, and the spite of that, I just, I'm not sure... The Sox organization understands what that did. And, and you know, it's interesting that you say that because we were talking about this when the story first came out, and David mentioned Tony La Russa being hired and then the DUI, the, you know, mm-hmm. the, 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 uh, the baseball person uh, DUI, and, and blowing through that stop sign like it was nothing. Yep, and then digging it, in oh and, and even God, getting exactly. de- defiant about it oh after that. Oh, my God. That is just it, – it, it just – you know, it's it's hard not to feel like you were kind of – and I, I don't want to – I mean, he just totally misled in everything that, that had been talked about, promised, every reason that you were staying with it. And it's it's just really it's embittering at this point. Do you find yourself less likely to believe that they didn't know about the investigation or that Clevenger was a bad guy because of the way that they've handled stuff in the past, whether we're talking about Wilder 
or Omar Vizquel or right. Wes Helms. Right. Do you? Oh my God. Or 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 the I, Tony Larusa DUI. I, I think those cases are part of a pattern that is troubling, and you can connect the dots, and somebody should. But I don't think necessarily those led to this, other other than uh, or are related to this. This is something that is very complicated because of the nature of the Major League Baseball investigative arm and what they can and can't tell you or will or won't tell you. Whereas I'm not convinced yet, just Lawrence, because I don't know enough about those situations, if they could have done more to get in front of those situations as we suspect, this one might be entirely unrelated or different. They all have in common that they're embarrassing. Well, they also have in common what is starting to happen now is that because we don't know who runs the White Sox, Still, we don't know who's in charge. We don't know who's responsible for what. We just know that each next thing that's done, they'll trot somebody out there to talk about it, and then we guess and we read tea leaves. That even now, I'm hearing from some people, and you can tell when certain reports arise, that there are people within the organization saying, well, I I didn't know anything about uh, the the Clevenger investigation. And then people will say, well, the White Sox didn't know. No, it just means it's the, the ass covering has started. This whole, and, and that's how it happens when you don't have but, a structure that but, people will say, oh, I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know. Did the White Sox know? That's a completely why, why different question. They, if, you, if they did know, why would they ignore that? That doesn't make an ounce of sense to me. If, that, if they did know about it, then what were they doing? Because this, is, this couldn't be a worse PR move. I, I said to David today that there there's a part of me, I don't know if I said this on the air privately, but there was a part of me that suspects that, you know, this guy kind of signed pretty early and, and we didn't see him kind of hold out and see what he could do. He, oh, yeah, I'm here. I'm with you. And the White Sox, you know, whether or not they did their due diligence, my suspicion is they, they complete, there, there is such an institutional arrogance that they completely believed the idea that, you know, oh, he wants to be here. Of course he wants to be here. We're, we're the White Sox. Everybody wants to be. They didn't really spend the time to look into it even beyond a, you know, getting a couple of answers they wanted to hear. It wasn't just that. And then it, it wasn't – it was shortly thereafter, right, that Ethan Katz was talking about how they yeah. found a, a mechanical tweak that they think that even though he pencils in as a fifth starter now that he can be a, a – He two, can be a one or a two. A one or a two or something like yeah. that, right? Yeah. Like yep. already going hard. Oh boy! And and there there was an there was a baseball argument about not signing him. And of course. I and I keep running back to it's not as if you didn't see his bad acting and bad actions up close. The 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 biggest thing that that's followed him for his career and part of the reason that he ended up in San Diego in the first place happened in a series that was played in your ballpark. When, when he decided that he was going to skirt all of the, 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 the COVID protocols, that was yep. here. Yep. Like, you saw that. You, and you saw how Cleveland reacted. You saw how Tito reacted. You saw how that organization went into a full, you get this guy out of here mode. And if, if you're still, like, so thirsty for pitching talent, and I get that it's at a premium, that you felt the need to jump and it's a great point by you, Molly. They jumped out in the free agency market to sign a guy that probably should have been sitting around waiting to be signed. And when you add that to every, when you add the baseball stuff, his prior bad acts, his reputation around the league, right. 
you go, why did why were you guys in a rush to get this guy on your team? And Dan asked the question yesterday, and it's super important. Where is he right now? Because all of us know that right. that it, it would not be strange for him to be a Camelback Ranch right now. And oh, why boy. can't you, amid everything else that's going on and everyone's hiding behind all of the, the collectively bargained rules and regulations, and that's fine, but nothing is preventing the White Sox at any point from saying – we, given the the soonest possible opportunity, pursuant to every rule and everything in the CBA, Mike Clevenger will not pitch for the White Sox this year. Thank you. Couldn't they simply say that? Why they, not? They could, but Dan, I'm telling you, I think that they hope he can. Oh God! Until that- until they say otherwise, that is not an unreasonable suspicion. He's got a lot to talk about. What else yeah. got up? Well, we are going to also talk some basketball with Cody Westerland, some football with Matt Bowen, Mike Golick, and Jason Leisure, and uh, do a whole lot more. Great stuff, guys. Have a great show. Have a great show.